Welcome to Fireside Chats. I'm Jade Lauren, and I will be your facilitator today for the next 50 minutes. And over the last uh, couple of days, I've had uh, a lot of downloads, to say the least, around the topic that I'm going to be talking about today. And it's really been laid on my heart pretty heavy. And so we're going to be talking about belief and moving beyond belief and getting into that place of knowing. Uh, and I struggled with this a very long time in my younger day. Uh, I thought that they were just really synonymous, that to believe meant, you know, believing in something and, and having that belief be very firm and thinking that that led you to knowing. And they really are two different facets. And they're in the faith family because we look at, uh, when we think about having faith in something, having faith in ourselves, having faith in others, then we naturally are looking at wisdom, knowledge, reason. Uh, and it's interesting that we don't think much about the emotional aspect of it, which is from the heart center, which is your knowing. And it's interesting because over the last, I would say, couple of weeks, I've been watching period movies. There's a couple of movies, uh, series that I've been watching, one set in the uh, early 1400s, mid-1400s, another one set 200 years some later in the 1600s. And in that 200-year span of time, what struck me most was people were still sheep. They were still being led by the loudest mouth up to the microphone. And just the person that had the most rhetoric, uh, that had the most command of their vocals, are the people followed them and gravitated to them and believed everything that they said. And one of the movies that I was looking at uh, gave the uh, bonfire of the vanities, and you got to see firsthand how that started. And these people were bringing all of their symbols of their prosperity and burning it because one of one man, one man was such a profound influence that they felt so guilty that they gave up their ability to reason and to think. Now, we also have to look at the fact that, that during that time, you had a lot of illiteracy. We don't have as much illiteracy now. Yes, we have some, but not as we had in the, in the 1400s where most people did not have the ability to read or write. And so they were really subjected to that rhetoric. They were sensitive to it. And so they believed everything that they heard. And superstition ran amok. 
superstition about anything and everything and everybody. Uh, this was during a period of time where uh, people, women were labeled witches and men were labeled warlocks. Just superstition to explain their reality, to try to explain their life and the circumstances that they found themselves in. What I find so interesting about that is here when we fast forward into 2020, then you still find that we are following the loudest mouth up to the mic. Whoever has the, the strongest rhetoric, whoever can speak the loudest and speak to the point that it drowns out reason. And we fall into this sheep-like manner that everything that they say we repeat and we believe and we lose the ability for constructive thinking. And so this is really where belief comes in. And if we're going to have faith in ourselves and if we're going to have faith in each other, then we're going to need to really examine our beliefs. Where are we in our belief systems? And understand something. Belief is of the intellect. And I think that Years and years ago, one of the reasons I had so much trouble with that concept of belief is because, I, first of all, I've never been a follower. I was never the kind of person that followed the loudest person in the, in the bandstand. I simply couldn't do it. And I always credit that to, to my biological father, who used to always remind me consistently that if the masses are going left, you go right. Never follow the masses. And even as I pointed out uh, a couple of months ago, I was giving a talk, and I was talking about the road less traveled. And one of the things that, that the author of the road less traveled stated was uh, in repeating something that he had read, that two forks emerged in the road. And I, I took the road less traveled and it has made all the difference in the world. So stepping out of the belief system of the masses is always going to be your first step in getting control of yourselves, getting control of your own reality, and understanding that you do create your reality, and the foundation of your reality that you create for yourself will always be found in your belief system. And this is not an indictment of any belief system, no matter what it is. There's no indictment here. But just understanding that that is your core system. That is where you start from. And I would suggest that that needs to be the beginning of your search for wisdom and knowledge, not the end-all, be-all. Because ultimately, belief is frozen thought. Once you start down a path of belief and you say, this is it, this is what I believe, this is the totality of my system here, my ideology, the minute you do that, you start to decay. And there's no wonder, no small wonder that a lot of systems that you may follow, a lot of different ideologies and belief systems, uh, especially when we get into our theological systems, a lot of those, the very first thing that rhetoric says to you is do not read. 
Do not read adverse material. Do not read any other ideas that may come about. And so if you're following this particular system, belief system, well, then don't look at any other system because then you're just going to get lost. But how about you're not going to get lost. You're going to build your knowledge and your wisdom and the ability to reason. This is necessary if you're going to go from having rhetoric and a belief system that is outmoded and outdated and is not serving you to get into a place where you're in your knowing. So we're moving from the intellect, using the intellect just as it is designed to be used as a collector of knowledge to regurgitate that knowledge back to us in the form of wisdom as time goes by, being able to recall that so that we can formulate whatever we need at that given point in time. And you ultimately get into a place of knowing, and knowing is always going to be from the heart. And I I always said I found out during all of my research, all of that time, and when I was having so much trouble, I would take these manifestation classes, and, oh, you've got to believe this, and you've got to believe that, and you've got to recite all these affirmations uh, ad infinitum in order to manifest. And I kept thinking, this is not working. Why is this not working? And then I realized During all of this and during further study and looking into other systems, other belief systems, starting to understand that as you you collect this knowledge and as you collect other wisdoms, you start to create your own individual aspect, your own reality, your own conglomerate. And then what happens is you move into knowing And I started to realize that beliefs can be discussed, they can be changed, they can be altered. They do alter with time. They're not set in stone. We can look at the evolution of man to know that, that our beliefs are always going to change. And when they don't, we're in trouble when they don't change because it means we're not growing. And that was something else that, that my dad said to me once. And, and he said, you know, at the end, at the beginning of every year, you need to look back at the previous year and look at what's different. So if you've got the same people in your life, if you think the same thoughts, if nothing about you has changed going into this next year, then you have been stagnant and wasting time and taking up space. Because our real job here, the only job that we have, the only mandate, as it were, is to grow, is to evolve. Because what our eternity is about is perfecting our personality soul. There is that within us that is perfect, whole, and complete that travels with us, that is the substance of our soul. But we also have a personality soul, and it is also eternal. 
And that is where our perfection is. That as we go through lifetime after lifetime of life expressions, we are perfecting this personality soul that will eventually reflect the totality of its I am. And that's what makes our journey wonderful. So it's very important that we are constantly and consistently examining our belief systems, understanding completely and fully that belief is of the intellect. It is not of the heart. It is not wisdom. It is of the intellect. And it is a foundation for which you build. And you move from that to that place of knowing. I found one of the really good tests is if I can explain a position that I have adopted as a belief system, and if I can dissect it and explain it to you, then it is residing in the intellect, not in the heart. Because what you will find is when you move out of believing and into knowing, knowing you can't explain. Think back at a time when you just knew something. You just knew it. You didn't know why you knew, but but you knew. And somehow, even though you didn't know why you knew, you didn't even necessarily understand why you knew. But you just did. You just did. And and that feeling was very quiet, very calm, that knowing that this is correct. This is the correct interpretation. This is the path. It's a feeling. Knowing is a feeling. And when you have that feeling, you are hard-pressed to explain it to anyone else. Sometimes not even to yourself. I laugh sometimes. I marvel at how many times in, in my life expression I will go, you know, I have no idea why, why I know this, but I know that it's right. I know that it's correct. I know what I'm feeling is right because it is coming out of my heart center. And I can tell you 100% of the time, if I ignore, as many of us do, and pull in the intellect and start to rationalize that feeling away and we take another path, we always live to regret it. Because that wisdom that is in our heart center, that knowing, that connection to source, is always going to be absolutely as it should be. And it just is. Which, which goes with everything in the universe. And, and sometimes I marvel at man in our intellect. We want to explain the, we want to make everything that appears to be unexplainable, explainable. And I like something that I think about the ultimate creator of this universe is unknowable. And so what is that within us that cannot accept that something is unknowable. Not much is, but that is. And I think because the word is, it is. 
I remember reading when they first broke the atom with the super gliders that they came up with, and they were so shocked because, you know, they, they had for years and years and years, no telling how many years, been trying to break open the atom. They just thought that if they could break over the, open the atom, they were going to get a lot of answers because there was going to be something contained in that atom that was going to explain a lot of physicality. And they moved scientifically and intellectually with that goal. And it took them years and years to develop this super collider that would ultimately break, on, break down the atom, that would just smash it apart. And they didn't rest until they found it. And the biggest shock that I think they got was to find out that once they smashed the atom, it was 99.9999, however many nines, percent empty space. Much to their shock, empty space. And that's how they describe it in the scientific parlance. But on the spiritual level, I don't think it's empty space at all. I think it's unmanifest thought that is power, pure power. The power to take any form, the power, the absolute power to create without boundaries. That is what I feel was in that 99.9999% of what they call empty space. And I think that is that within, that is the creator, the aspect of the creator that is unknowable. And it's unknowable because in its essence it is pure power, pure unmanifest power. And the power to become whatever it needs to become at that point in time. And as the, as the offspring of this power, we create the same way, the exact same way. Those things that we form within our mind absolutely must produce in kind. So when we're moving and we're coming in, I believe this, I believe that, you have to move from belief to knowing. Because once you get in the knowing, once it is in the heart center, once it resides there, then it shows up in manifest form. And so our task is to always make sure that our beliefs, I like to say that our belief structures should be flowing like water, able to take the best construction needed at that point, manifesting as it needs to at a given point in time. So it's fluid and it's flexible. And it is not stagnant, it's not static, and it's not, I have the same beliefs in 2020 that I had in 2019, because that's a dead giveaway, you're not growing. And how do we grow? How do we move our belief systems along so that they become our knowing, so that they become the foundation of, of our wisdom, of our reason? so that we now have control and, and create in confidence our realities, whatever that reality may be. How do we do that? 
We do that by being flexible. We do that by learning. We do that by reading. We do that by exposing ourselves to different ideologies. Just exposing. It doesn't matter. It doesn't mean that you have to adopt that reality. But maybe you'll hear one thought, one idea that you take as your foundation. And you leave the rest because it does not serve you. But maybe one idea does. So you get get rid of this idea that you have to have the whole package. You know, there's a saying that says, don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. Understanding that I can take a piece of this and a piece of that. You know, I love it when we started, I guess, 10 years ago, maybe when, when we stopped identifying, many of us stopped identifying as religious and started saying, I'm spiritual. And you are spiritual when you continue to grow and learn and grow in your spirituality and not have any special frozen thought. And as I said, this is not an indictment because I firmly believe that every theological philosophy is important for that level of mind that is following it at that time. Because the goal and the job should be to connect you and introduce you to your God within, your I am presence, the progenitor of your being. That is the goal, not to follow a man or follow a man blindly or follow that man's interpretation or woman, but to just be able to connect you, to build that bridge so that one day you have your aha moment. And when you have your aha moment, then the teacher within takes over and you start to move out of belief and into your knowing, into your knowingness and knowing that there are things, there are definitions that by their very definition are unknowable at this level of being. I always look at that as as reminding myself that this is as much as I can know right now, and that's okay. That's okay. Because as I'm moving through my life, then it becomes the journey is wonderful. The journey is becomes exciting that what's around the corner. And when I find myself... Uh, held down and depressed as I'm human, I go through that too. I take that opportunity to ask myself why. Why am I feeling this way? What's going on? What has crossed my path that I'm having issues with? As I did, as I'm sharing for years and years and years, and I remember the first time I heard the definition of faith and I heard the speaker say the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things unseen. And I rattled that around in my mind for years as to what what is that really? What is the substance of things hoped for? Are we talking about something that is uh, tangible? Are we talking about an aspect of myself? Am I talking about a material item? And that is the evidence of things unseen. 
And I thought about that, and I thought about that long and hard because what is that knowing? It is unseen. It's felt. You simply know. And so now when I'm moving through my life, I move through my life with that, with that goal that I want to come out of belief and into knowing about everything that I'm dealing with. I want to get to that knowing where where I simply know, where I, if I stand up and go, why do I know this? I can say I have no idea why I know. I just know that it's right. And having that. And and having that for yourself, not to hit someone else over the head with, not to step out of that realm and say, I am right and I know this because this is in my knowing and you need to follow me. Well, no, because then when they follow you, it stays in the realm of belief. That you believe, they believe that you're right. And that is really not the goal. The goal is to give them information, give those people that come into your life, world, and affairs, say things that make them think, that make them think within themselves about what you're talking about. Not blindly following you. I used to always say, even back when I was doing a lot of my workshops and doing a lot of working with people, and I would always say to myself, my goal is to connect you to your higher wisdom. It is not my goal to tie you to the back of my apron strings. I don't want anybody tied to my apron strings. I want to say things and present things in such a way that it gets your curiosity going, that you start to think that that's another way to look at this. And maybe if I look at it this way, it will clear up some issues that I had over here in the corner that my current belief systems don't seem to be able to answer. And that's why I say it's very important that you that you think of your beliefs as liquid, as fluid, as pliable, and resist the attitude that this is what I believe and I am firm and I stand by it and I'm never going to change because you're setting yourself up for failure. As you grow and if you have exposed yourself, if you have read different material, if you have exposed yourself to the ideologies of other people, then this is how you gain wisdom. This is the way you do it. And if you're uncomfortable with meeting different people, the libraries are full. Get a book. Start reading and paying attention to those things that you're reading. It takes me a very long time to read a book because I just don't fly through it. It takes a very long time for me to read that book, and I only read books that benefit me spiritually or my soul or my growth. That's my mandate. Even when I watch movies, I watch movies for the psychological growth or spiritual growth that that movie can provide. And I don't waste my time with things that don't. Because my path is a path of evolution, as is all of us. But granted, there's a lot of things going on on the planet that makes a lot of people want to run for cover and go into escapism. 
So we've got pharmaceuticals that give us drugs to numb us, to numb our feelings, to that we don't want to feel this or we don't want to feel that. Sometimes that minor headache is, is a good omen because it will make you sit down and shut up and think about what is annoying you. Why is my head hurting? Sometimes you'll be very surprised at what comes back from your wisdom, not the intellect. What will come up from your wisdom? I was sharing with a friend of mine today that I had an incident happen to me a couple of days ago for my mom's birthday, and I won't recall the incident right here. But one of the things that I was aware of is that I was so hurt. I mean, not hurt about my mom's birthday. I was very, very happy. My mom is 90 or maybe older if she will admit to it. I can only go by the age on my birth certificate that it says my mom was and add it to my age. And if that is correct, my mom was was 91 on her birthday. And so, I mean, sorry, 90 on her birthday. And I thought to myself, but wow, that is so magnificent because my mom is so full of life, full of life, strong and laughs, still has the same giggle, the same vigor for life. And don't misunderstand me, she has faced a lot of tragedy. My mom has buried seven of her children, some within months of each other. And she has come through it and is still going and still growing strong. So in that sense, I was so fortunate and so blessed. But then there was was an incident that happened that hurt me so deeply and threw me into such a spin, I had to really look at it. And as is my practice, I sat down and I gave myself a good talking to. Why are you feeling this way? What is going on here? Why is this bothering you? Why does this hurt? And then having again to make some decisions because ultimately if something is going to continue to hurt me, I will remove it. It is a disrespect to my Godhead to do anything or allow anything or anybody to bring down my body temple to cause me to upset my nervous system, upset my cellular level, because our cells respond. We have good health when we can maintain a healthy attitude, when we can maintain a healthy attitude about life, when our belief systems promote joy and life and life affirmed. And if you are involved in a belief system that makes you feel bad, that tells you that it is godly to suffer, well, the Creator did not create you to suffer. There's a passage where one of the mystics says, my load is light. That does not imply suffering. A light load does not imply looking around like you've eaten eaten a lemon and feel that there's something innately sinful about being joyful and laughing. So you were created to have all the gambit of emotions, yes, but not to the point that they linger and destroy your temple. 
That is a slap in the face to the progenitor of your life. So you have a responsibility to keep those belief systems fluid, keep them uh, pliable at all times, and use and understand that belief is of the intellect. So in order to get into wisdom, in order to get into knowing so that you know what you know that you know, then you must exercise that intellect. You must read. You must study. You must engage in ideologies that are outside of your own and do it with a light heart, not with fear. You do not have to become a fanatic. There is something innately wrong, I feel, with anyone that feels they've got to bring a sword and destroy and lash away at anything that doesn't agree with them. And that's the carryover. When I look at the uh, 1400s, the, the movies that I looked at, and I looked at the total subversion of individuality and individual thought, and how much effort that went into the armies and and the intrigue in controlling the populace, because if you controlled the populace and kept them ignorant, you controlled their money. You controlled their ideas. You controlled their very life. And they were also destitute. And so you had the the, the very, very wealthy standing with their foot on the backs of the necks of everyone else who was scrapping. Orphans living in buildings. They literally had to create a building to house orphans. I couldn't I couldn't fathom that. And we still have that because we still have children that are housed in orphans, so we still have orphanages. And when you think of that, though, when you think of totally having your life be one endless struggle, no joy, just struggle, day in and day out, and then having rhetoric that tells you that, you know, you suffer now and you'll get rewards in some afterlife. And I, as I said, I don't relish an afterlife where I do nothing. But I have to understand that when you understand history and when you understand reading, and I think about people that are toiling, that they toiled all day from sun up to sundown, backs bent over or working in steel mills or, or digging out of the coal mines or working, picking cotton all day, day in and day out, that someone telling them that this life will be over and when it's over, you're going to go to a land of milk and honey and sit, you know, sit at his feet and be blessed and never have to toil again. I can understand how that would be extremely appealing to someone who is suffering and working so very hard every single day of their life. And that just the I just living alone takes a huge amount of effort. So I can understand how that would be appealing. But I think it's more accurate to say that we're about evolving and that our life is about evolving, evolving our belief systems to move them in the realm of knowing. 
And you'll find you can definitely tell the difference. Because as I said, you won't be able to explain any of it to anybody. It will simply be a feeling, a knowing that you have. And it grows and evolves as you do. And I find that every year of my life since since I heard that and was brought up that way, I do take a year in review of my life every year. And I look at how have I changed? How have I grown? Are the same people in my life? Now, yes, I've had some of the same people in my life for three or four years. Mainly, I change people a lot. I only have a handful of people that have traveled with me in this lifetime. And that is because of similar views. They are evolving, not similar views that they agree with me all the time. I'm sure they don't. However, they are evolving. And they do like having those discussions that make them think, that give them another way to look at things. And that is what a relationship is supposed to be about. Anybody in your life is supposed to make you feel better about yourself, about your world. And if they don't, I challenge you to get a different set of friends. And it doesn't matter who the people are. They can sometimes be members of your own household, members of your own family that are just toxic. I know I've got a few that some it hurt me to take their telephone numbers out of my phone and let them go. Some, it was very, very painful because they are dear to me. But ultimately, they're toxic to me. And they don't provide me with happiness and joy or even peace of mind. And because my first order is to my higher self, to that which which created me and is the progenitor of my life, because that is my the only obligation that I have to honor that, to honor that life that was given to me, I do not allow anyone to take it from me or to diminish it in any way. And so, as another teacher that I had a long time ago said to me, every now and then you've got to change your phone number. Every now and then you've got to clean out that, you've got to clean it out. Got to get other people in your life that make you feel good. Do other things that make you joyful. Do other things that make you want to grow and to see the beauty around us. We are surrounded by beauty. Surrounded. And how often can we not see it? Shortly before my producer called, I was thinking about a time that I was at my sister's house years and years, many, many, many years ago. It was a holiday. It was a Christmas. And I was there, and everyone was sleeping. She has in her living room, she has this big picture window. And at the time um, that I was there, I was sitting on her sofa. She's always rearranging her living room. But um, she had the, the, the where you could sit right in front of this picture window. And for the first time in my life, I actually, it was about 2 o'clock in the morning, and it was snowing. And if you've ever had an opportunity to listen to snow, you're actually listening to silence. And it might sound really strange when you hear yourself speaking out loud, listening to 
to silence because when we think of the art of listening, we think we're listening to something, there's some kind of noise. But silence is a vibration, and it has a sound. And it's very quiet, and it's very embracing. It's almost tranquilizing. And I'm looking out the window, and I'm listening to the snowfall. And then I was reminded when you look at the snow that every single snowflake, so we are told by those who have examined such things, is different. It's unique. Snow. And even when you think, if you if you just pick up snow to make a snowball, as I'm from the Midwest and as a kid making snowballs uh, to to mold and to throw at someone, and you think to yourself when you pick up just this scoop of snow and imagine that every single snowflake in that ball of snow is unique and individual from its time of falling. And you start to think of that wonderment. And you start to think about how much more individual we are. And that is still that evolution, still on our way to something. Yes, we're on planet Earth right now. And I can't fathom that this is the only inhabited planet. And just, I can't even fathom anybody thinking that this is the only inhabited planet. But, c'est la vie. But when I think in terms of the cosmos and all of, of all of the different ideas that are swarming just around our planet, that we're on our way somewhere. And I would suggest it's not to sit around and twiddle our thumbs and do nothing. We're on our way. We're evolving. And we're expanding those belief systems. So take a look today. Look at your belief systems. Examine where you are. And are they frozen in thought? Do you have ideologies and theologies that, that you've held on to since you were a child? And they don't work. And you feel that they're not working. Your life's not working. But what are you doing about it? Take that step in moving from your frozen thought, whatever it may be, and not in judgment because at a time in your life it served you well. But is it serving you now? And if it is, and I challenge you that if it is still serving you, how far have you grown? How far have you evolved on your evolutionary path? I love something a young lady said to me once, and she said, you know, I always wonder that is it our definition of God that needs to change? And I said, absolutely. Absolutely. We were having a late-night conversation in the parking lot. We both worked at a night job, and she said, and she said I believe that we have to change, that that's the only constant in the universe. And she said, so should our idea of God change? And I said, absolutely. Absolutely. This is 2020. What is your version of God? How big is your box? How big is your definition? What does the creator feel like to you? And has that idea changed since just last year? Have you done enough to move yourself forward enough 
to move out of a frozen belief system into knowing? Have you moved forward enough to notice a change in yourself, a growth in yourself? And if you're feeling really stressed and anxious about what's going on in the world climate and especially what we're dealing with here in the United States, if that's where you are, if you are in fear, then I would suggest to you you've got some ideologies that need to change. You've got some belief systems that need to change. Because each and every individual that creates their own reality, that then goes on to create a collective reality, that then goes on to create an even larger gestalt, can shift whatever's going on on the planet. We have to stop feeling like we have no control because we do. And there are those that march. I have no problem with that. I have no problem with how people need to express as long as it doesn't hurt anybody else. But by the same token, I would suggest you can do more to move the consciousness of a planet simply by raising your own vibration, simply in holding this planet and everybody within your purview in love and light, even enemies even those that their belief systems have them wallowing in the lowest aspect of their human expression. Even them. If you can stop and hold them in love and light, if you can start to realize that, yes, I do have the power. You have the power. You have not been given the right to hurt. But you do have an amazing amount of power. And, yes, sometimes people in the lower form of humanity hurt others. But I have always found it's because they're dealing with their own pain. And they're not knowing how to process that pain. So what are they doing? They're lashing out. And they're lashing out at anything, anybody, and everybody that they can. And so this talk today was about examining your belief systems and moving into your knowing. And that means get a bigger can. Get a, bigger, get a bigger jug. If you're dealing with a gallon glass of belief, then it's time to get a bigger jug and start to fill that up and start to fill that up with those ideas that expand you, that evolve you, that make you a better person and so that you then start to act automatically from your knowing, from your heart center, knowing what to do, knowing the right decision, knowing the right things to say knowing how to feel, just knowing, knowing that you're connected. Give up the need to to have to know and have to have a definition for the creator. As they say, the nature of God is unknowable. I'm okay with that because I have a caveat. I don't know at this, at this level of my experience. I don't know at this level in my ability of understanding. And is it necessary for me to know? Not right now. I can evolve and evolve and evolve to the max and still have that aspect that is unknowable and be okay with that, out of that feedback loop. And so those things that you can change in the serenity prayer, knowing and having the wisdom to know the difference between what I cannot change and what I can change. But I would add that we are capable of changing our entire environment and our entire reality one person at a time just 
by being the best person and the best version of ourselves. So, until we meet again, have a wonderful day, have a fantastic week, and have a blessed life. Namaste. Thank you.